Well, it is so appropriate that today is not only Graduation Sunday, but also Pentecost Sunday, because we ask for the power and the guidance of the Holy Spirit to be with all of you graduates as you begin the next chapters of your lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for pouring your Holy Spirit upon us. Thank you that he intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words, enlightens us with his gifts, and guides us into all the truth. Guide our graduates as they head out into the world. Fill all of us to overflowing so that your spirit brings life and hope to others through us. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we heard from the very end of Paul's letter to the Romans. And there were a whole lot of names, weren't there? <laughs> Thank you so much, Miriam. Let's give her an applause for making it through all of those. <laughs> Paul, you know, he always begins his letters with a prayer and ends his letters with uh, thanks and um, specific shout-outs to all these different, uh, all sorts of different people. The whole message of uh, Romans comes down to the gospel, the good news of Christ that Paul received. Uh, the risen Lord Jesus called Paul, who had been a persecutor of Christians, to proclaim the good news to Gentiles, to non-Jews like you and me. The Holy Spirit sent him all over the known world by boat and by foot to spread the message of Jesus. Paul often got beaten, thrown in jail, and nearly stoned to death twice. But he kept going. And everywhere he went, he planted churches. People started believing in Jesus and following him together. Paul planned to collect funds and go to Jerusalem to help the brothers and sisters there who were poor and persecuted and experiencing a famine. He then wanted to go to Rome and beyond to spread the gospel to Spain. Well, Paul eventually did go to Rome in chains. You can read all about it in the end, the final few chapters of Acts. He likely died there in prison executed for his unflagging faith in Christ. He probably never made it to Spain. But I think God gave him the dream of Spain to inspire him to write this letter to the Romans who were going to be a stepping stone on his way there. This letter to the Romans is Paul's greatest symphony. It's this beautifully woven letter that weaves together all these different themes about life in Christ. This letter has had more impact than any missionary journey. It's encouraged and challenged and shaped Christians for almost 2,000 years. That's why we've been able to spend an entire school year working our way through it, because there's so much good stuff in it. Along the way, we have been watching little clips from a couple of videos from the Bible Project that does a beautiful job of sharing the, sh the shape of the letter and how it's all tied together. So I want us to watch the, the very final clip from the second video that talks about how these last three chapters, these last few chapters work. But remember the big picture. 
Because of their faith in Jesus, Jews and Gentiles are now together, Abraham's family, that new humanity that's being transformed by God's Spirit. And so, this is how God's fulfilling his ancient promises. Therefore, the only reasonable response is for these Jews and non-Jewish Christians to be unified as the church. In chapters 12 to 13, he shows that this unity will come from a commitment to love and forgive each other. Love will look like everybody using their diverse gifts and talents to serve one another in the church. And it will also mean humility and forgiveness. When these different ethnic groups and cultures come together in Jesus, conflict is inevitable. And it can only be overcome through the hard work of forgiveness and reconciliation. This is how they will show the greatest of Christian virtues, love, which fulfills the Torah's greatest commands to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. In chapters 14 and 15, he focuses specifically on the issues that are creating ethnic divisions in the Roman church. These are disputes about the Jewish food laws and the Sabbath. And Paul says these practices don't define who's in or out of Jesus' family. And if people differ over these culturally important but non-essential issues, they need to learn how to respect each other's differences. And it's in this way that love will heal and unify Jesus' family. Paul closes the letter by first commending Phoebe, who's a key leader in the church of Kenkre. She had the honor of carrying and perhaps even reading this letter aloud to the Roman churches for the first time. Paul then concludes by greeting all the people that he hasn't seen for a long time, and that's the end. Whoa. You can see better now how all the pieces of this letter fit together and show what a profound masterpiece it truly is. That's what the letter to the Romans is all about. So at the end of Romans, Paul gave all these final greetings to all sorts of people. Uh, Phoebe, this deacon who probably carried Paul's letter to Rome, and Priscilla and Aquila, who were married evangelists and tent makers like Paul, um, who had a, a, a house church in their own home. Paul mentions men and women, and from and greets them from all the churches that he has planted over the years. And then he gives this warning. He says, watch out for those who cause division. Keep away from them. Be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Now that's a reference to... Genesis 3, where Adam and Eve had been sent out from the garden, and God promised that evil was not going to win the day, that the serpent, the deceiver, would one day strike the heel of one of their descendants, but that their descendant would crush the head of the serpent. How many of you have seen The Passion of the Christ, that movie? Quite a few of you. Uh, I love how at the very beginning we see Jesus at prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane begging God to not make him go through the suffering that he was about to experience. And off to one side is the tempter himself. And as he's whispering all these words of temptation, trying to get Jesus to abandon what he was called to do, 
This white snake slithers out from underneath his robes right up to Jesus' face. But Jesus prays, not what I will, Father, but let your will be done. And then he stands up and crushes the head of that snake. It's this beautiful picture of Jesus' victory over Satan. That he did not give in to temptation. That he served God's purposes and accomplished our salvation. That's the message that Paul is talking about throughout Romans. That Jesus wins the victory. That we have life because of his death and resurrection. And so one of the last things Paul says is the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. So what do we carry away from the end of this letter? Last week, Andrew mentioned some of the bold points that Paul was making, that uh, the law is useful and teaches us many things, but we can't follow it perfectly because we have a sin problem. Where we fall short, Jesus gives us his righteousness. This beautiful, strange exchange. Jesus takes on, uh, on himself all of our sin, our pain, our violence, and our death, and gives us instead his righteousness and his life. Jesus is with us in the struggle of our day-to-day -day lives, and the Holy Spirit empowers us for life. The message that compelled Paul to risk his life over and over again in going all these different places and sharing the good news is that God is faithful to his promises. The good news of Jesus transforms our lives, gives us hope, and draws us into the new community that God is creating. Pentecost Sunday was the birth of the church. 3,000 people came to faith in Christ. Their lives were changed, and they started to change the world. The book of Acts says all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. What does it look like to be guided by the Holy Spirit? How many of you remember having to dial zero to uh, reach a telephone operator? <laughs> You know, if you had trouble or you didn't know a person's number, you'd, you know, dial on the rotary phone to go click, 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 and you'd talk with an operator. Uh, and, you know, way back in the day, they would actually say, okay, I'll put you through and actually physically make the connection so that you could talk to the person that you wanted to talk to. Well, to help us think about the work of the Holy Spirit, I want to tell you about the operator in a trilogy of fascinating movies from 20 years ago, The Matrix. Uh, the, the first movie, The Matrix, came out in 1999, and then in 2003, the other two, Reloaded and Revolutions, came out. Now, these movies are all rated R for a reason, mostly graphic violence, uh, but if you haven't seen it and want to at some point, you can always download the VidAngel app that allows you to filter out
from movies and television shows, any of the violence, the language, all of that sort of stuff. And later this year, a fourth film in the Matrix series is coming out. Those are set far in the future. The, reality, the, the idea behind the series is that the reality most people experience is a virtual reality, an elaborate computer program called the Matrix, designed and run by intelligent machines who have taken over the world and enslaved virtually all the human race. Some of the humans who have been set free from the Matrix go back in. They fly a hovercraft into the sewers of a ruined city so that they can hack into the program to try and change things and free other people. To do that, they need an operator back in the real world who helps them. This operator provides everything that they need, equipment, clothing, weapons. They can instantly receive training on how to fly a helicopter, or how to hotwire a motorcycle, or do anything else. Their operator watches over them from his computer screens. When they're in trouble, they can call on a cell phone, and their operator can tell them what to do next, where to go, how to avoid the enemy. The operator is their link to the real world. He is the one who watches over them and gives them guidance. He keeps them connected to their source of life and provides a way out from the matrix. He gives them directions on how to reach a hard line, a hardwired telephone through which they can return to their ship in the real world. It's a fascinating storyline. I think the story really gets its power from the ways that it echoes the true story of the one who sacrificed his own life and rose again by the power of the Holy Spirit to destroy death and bring about a new creation. The Holy Spirit acts a little like our operator, but he does much more. The Holy Spirit makes us holy. He does what his name says. He sets us apart and purifies us. When Martin Luther wrote his small catechism, he got to the third part of the creed that talks about, I believe in the Holy Spirit, as we confess together. And he wrote this to explain it. Read it with me. I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord, or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me through the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, made me holy, and kept me in the true faith. Then he goes on and talks about the rest of that, that part of the creed. In the same way, he calls, gathers, enlightens, and makes holy the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it united with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In this Christian church, he daily forgives abundantly all my sins and the sins of all believers. On the last day, the Holy Spirit will raise me and all the dead and will grant eternal life to me and to all who believe in Christ. This is most certainly true. Jesus describes the Holy Spirit as the paraclete, which is a Greek word which means advocate or counselor or helper. 
It literally means one who comes alongside. The Holy Spirit certainly watches over us, though not on a computer screen. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, Paul says that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. He speaks up for us. He intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. Have you ever been going through something difficult in your life where you just don't even know what to pray? Or maybe all the, the only prayer that you can say is, help! <laughs> it's in moments like that that the Holy Spirit talks directly from our heart to God's heart. He, gives, he speaks in these word, you know, uh, prayers without words. The Spirit guides us along the way and keeps us focused. He calls us through the gospel. But each of us have to answer the phone. We have to respond in faith. The Holy Spirit gives us a mission in our lives, a mission that we carry out um, every single one of our days. We don't do anything our, on our own power, but the Holy Spirit gives us the gifts and the persistence that we need. Now, the Spirit doesn't whisper little directions like, okay, now go left, duck down, wait, now go right. <laughs> he doesn't work like that. Instead, he guides us into relationship with Jesus. Living, with relation, living in relationship with Christ gives us life and guides our steps wherever God leads us, whether it's off to college, to another country, into the armed services, or another career. Jesus said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. But it's not just you know, intellectual truth, but it's life truth. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. So the Holy Spirit guides us closer to Jesus who is our source of life. So graduates, keep connected to Christ as you venture out into the matrix of college and life in the world. Keep connected to the church, to the body of Christ. Surround yourselves with other Christians who will keep you honest and on the straight and narrow path that leads to life. The Holy Spirit will provide everything you need from day to day. He will sustain you, guide you, and train you to avoid temptation. He'll give you spiritual gifts to use in service to others. Last fall, we hosted a spiritual gifts workshop, and we plan to hope uh, uh, do another one this fall. In that workshop, we take a deep look at what gifts the Holy Spirit places in people's lives. When Peter was speaking on Pentecost, he quoted from the prophet Joel, who talked about how through the Holy Spirit, people would be able to see visions and dream dreams and speak in other languages. In the letter to the Galatians, Paul says that the fruit of the Spirit, what grows out of living in the Spirit, is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All those things that you need abundantly as you launch out into the world. 
In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul describes the more unusual gifts of the Spirit, gifts of wisdom and knowledge that go beyond what we can come up with on our own, gifts of healing, miracles, discernment, other languages and interpretation. And then he describes more ordinary sounding gifts of the Spirit that we need every day. Ministry, teaching, encouragement, giving, leadership, compassion, and service. And all of these gifts and all of these fruits come from the Holy Spirit. Paul says, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of services, but the same Lord. There are varieties of majors and colleges and careers, but the same Lord guides you in each of your paths. God pours out these gifts into your life, not so that you can hoard them from your, for yourself or blow your own horn and say, look at me and how great I am. And also not just so you can stick them on a shelf <laughs> with your uh, tassel and everything else. God gives you these gifts so that you can pour them out into other people's lives. When God poured out his spirit on Pentecost, 3,000 people came to faith because Jesus' disciples dared to speak up. They were given the words that they needed to say through the Holy Spirit. He gave them the ability to speak in languages that they didn't know, to tell others about God's deeds of power through what Jesus was doing in his death and resurrection. If God can do that, he can surely give you the courage to tell someone you know about Jesus. You can give them a chance to unplug from whatever matrix is controlling their life and plug into the one who gives true life. At Pentecost, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. The word that's used there in the original Greek is a, a continuing verb. It means that they were continually refilled with the Spirit. Water that just stay, sits in one place goes stagnant, but flowing water stays fresh. Maybe that's why God fills us to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. He constantly refills us so that we can pour ourselves out into the lives of others. An overflowing pitcher can't help but spill over. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. Well, what's the final thing that this operator called the Holy Spirit promises to do for you? It promises to bring you home. On the last day, Luther says, the Holy Spirit will raise me and all the dead and will give to me and all believers in Christ eternal life. Going home won't be a ride through a telephone line into an old hovercraft, but eternal life in the new creation with God, who is our source of life. At the very end of the Bible, in chapters 21 and 22 in Revelation, John sees a new heavens and a new earth. The previous things have passed away. There is no more crying or sorrow or grief or pain. Death itself has been defeated 
by Christ's death and resurrection. That is an ending that leaves all the Matrix movies in the dust. Victory is ours through Jesus. A victory that will last forever. So may his Holy Spirit make you holy and fill you to overflowing as you follow him into the next chapter of your life. Next week will be our final message in our series on Romans as we look at Emmanuel and Romans. What lessons does Paul's letter have for our life together as a congregation? Paul ends his letter with these words that are appropriate for Pentecost and Graduation Sunday. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery, hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen.